wasabi wallet. Unfairly private. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the stream. Another Friday, another awesome episode of Why Are We Bullish? We got a killer panel today. We got Gary, Le Gary Leland. Uh, we've got Surfer Jim. We've got uh, Nick Campmine. And we've got William uh, Clemente. I, th I hope I didn't just screw up his last name. Uh, but anyways, it is an absolute killer panel. I'm stoked to have everybody here. As always, this is live. Anything can happen. So a quick disclaimer from my friend Bill here. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Now, always love having you guys here live in the chat. We're getting close to 100 people already in here. I see the chat starting to go. Make sure you hit us up with messages. I'll be pulling them into the show live, of course, and. Um, yeah, be sure to smash that like button, give this a share, and get even more eyeballs in here. But without further ado, of course, I am Ben with the BTC Sessions, and this is your daily session. All right, so before we bring in our guests, we're going to take a quick peek at the market just to kind of see where we're at. Uh, been a pretty good day. Uh, we, we were up like three and a half grand. We're sitting around 57K. Um, uh, we are at $1. We'll buy you 1,753 sats. Continue to stack them while you can. 89.03% of all Bitcoin have been mined. And in terms of fees, next block is still going to run you about 157 sats per byte. If you're willing to wait around an hour, 29 sats per byte might do you. So you might want to uh, exercise some of that low time preference if you're uh, getting some getting some transactions through. And this weekend, keep in mind that there's going to be a downward difficulty adjustment. So blocks should come a little bit faster and weekends are tend to tend to be slow. So uh, maybe time to move around some Bitcoin if you need to do so and save on some fees uh, later on this weekend. Keep that in mind. Um, before we grab everybody in, of course, shout out to sponsors of the show, Lend.io. You can use uh, your Bitcoin for a variety of different things there. So for me, it's mostly been if I need dollars and I don't want to sell my Bitcoin, but it's more of a cash flow issue, I can use something like their Bitcoin back loans where I can use Bitcoin as collateral to get Canadian or US dollars into my bank account within a day. And then when I pay back those dollars, I get back the same amount of sats, which is kind of the important number to me. Uh, selling, of course, incurs capital gains. And you're always worried about having to buy back at a higher price. So be sure to check them out. Of course, they've got their savings accounts and their B2X offering. Uh, check it all out down below. Up next, we've got the Kobo Vault, one of my regularly used hardware wallets. I love it because it's 100% air-gapped, meaning you don't plug it into anything connected to the internet. It's all done offline via QR code. And this thing is pretty badass when it comes to working alongside something like a cold card and a multi-sig setup. That's what I tend to use it for. Um, super easy to operate. So check it out. I'm using the Pro just for reference uh, with the fingerprint scanner, rechargeable battery. Links are below. Of course, I do live on Bitcoin. One of the ways I do this is BitRefill. They can get me pretty much any gift card I can imagine, and I can pay on-chain or via Lightning Network. And I do earn sats back in the process, which is nice when you're already living on a Bitcoin standard. Um, so be sure to check them out. And it does help with privacy a little bit as well. If you're using Lightning in particular and you're picking up gift cards, people can't see exactly what you're purchasing there. 
And finally, please be careful backing up your wallets. Of course, paper may not be the best option. Get it in something that gives you some peace of mind, like a piece of steel, like the bill flottle over on privacypros.io. Uh, you know, fire damage, water damage, or just accidentally throwing out the paper. Uh, I've heard some horror stories over the past year, so be careful. But with that, let's uh, get rid of this screen and let's start bringing people in. We have Gary Leland, Surfer Jim. We have Will Clemente and we have Nick Campmine. Guys, welcome to the show. How are you guys doing? You doing all right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Sweet. Uh, awesome. Well, I'm I'm stoked to have you guys on. Uh, as always, this is why are we bullish? And here we go by the three R's. Really, really simple. We're gonna give a reason why we're bullish. Then all of us together will riff on that reason. And then we'll rotate to the next person. So really, really simple, really, really, really casual. And of course, we've already got the chat going. So again, you guys that are in here uh, like this, give us a share and we'll pull in your messages. Uh, <laughs> there's already Nick has a face. He does. He does <laughs> indeed have a face. So uh, yeah, we're, we'll, we'll be pulling those in. Um, but I'm going to get us started with a reason for, feel for feeling bullish uh, on my part. And I don't want to be selfish here, but I kind of got two reasons. So I'm, I'm going to throw them both at you guys and you can riff on whichever one you want. Um, but just a couple things catching my eye this week. Um, so I'm just going to share my screen right here for a second because I have uh, a couple things pulled up that I wanted to uh, touch on. So one thing that has me bullish is the IRS is trying to get help hacking hardware wallets. And the reason that has me bullish is because it's only going to add to the resiliency and anti-fragility of Bitcoin and in particular privacy and uh, security solutions for Bitcoin. And so the part where they're talking about this, they're asking contractors to come up with solutions to hack wallets, um, in, in particular hardware wallets, in the interest of their investigations. Um, and they, the quote here says, the decentralization and anonymity provided by cryptocurrencies has fostered an environment for storage and exchange of something of value outside of the traditional purview of law enforcement and regulatory organizations. There is a portion of this cryptographic puzzle that continues to elude organizations. Millions, perhaps even billions of dollars exist within these wallets. And then they say, go on to say that uh, this may prevent the forfeiture and recovery of funds when it comes to anything they're trying to get their grubby little hands on. Um, so that has me bullish because the more that you try to attack Bitcoin, the more resilient it becomes. Um, and so I think that if they do find vulnerabilities, they'll quickly be patched and routed around. Um, and we've seen stuff like this with Tesla contributing to uh, BTC pay servers, um, responsible disclosures. This is a little bit more adversarial, but I think in the end, still a good thing. And the other thing that had me bullish was uh, it, it's more of just like a gotcha around the shit corner happening. Um, but there is this article that just dropped where they're talking about like, ethereum mooning to 10k so i ran the numbers as any good bitcoiner would and so if bitcoin only gets back to the all-time high we just experienced a week and a half ago or two weeks ago to 64 and a half k eth would have to quadruple almost quadruple in that time just to hit 10k and then the bag holders from the top in 2017 would just break even 
on the amount of sats that they lost over that time frame. So literally, if you've been holding your Ethereum since the absolute top in in terms of sats back in uh, in 2017, which was actually halfway through the bull run, uh, you've been underwater for since mid 2017, and you would just break even. ETH would have to effectively quadruple and Bitcoin barely move for you to break even. So again, just kind of crunching the numbers and showing that, you know, Bitcoin just stacking sats is kind of the way to go. And I think that that can be lost on a lot of newcomers. But the more we go and we crunch the numbers, the more it becomes evident. And hopefully uh, people will begin to see that over time. I think some people will have to be burned in, in the interim. But hey, what are you going to do? So what I'm going to do is now is I'm going to pass it down the line. I'll, I'll uh, let people uh, give their thoughts on whether, whether it be the IRS thing or the, the Ethereum thing. But uh, Gary, I'll, I'll toss it to you. Do you have any thoughts on either? Well, I could go in, into both of them. But the IRS thing really gets me. I had not seen that yet. And um, I feel like I pretty much keep up all day with what's, what's coming out in news. But why does the IRS think they should be able to hire people to hack into our personal private items. I mean, if you can hack into a criminal's wallet, you can hack into anyone's wallet. I mean, why is that okay? That's what's got me confused. Why would the government or anyone say, oh yeah, let's uh, let them learn how to rock, hack into uh, the bank's money, which I'm sure they can, but um, that's really got me confused. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how bullish I consider it, but I, I have to agree with you. I guess that anything that attacked Bitcoin you know, makes it stronger because that's just the way it is. So mm -hmm. I guess I would go on that. Uh, on the uh, Ethereum one, my God, I don't understand these shit coiners and the, the stuff that they believe. I just I just can't even understand it half the time. I mean, it seems like to me it's all pretty much black and white, but I, I, I guess so many of them are new that they don't realize what's happened before and what will happen again. And how they'll lose if they just sat in Bitcoin instead of doing this wheeling and dealing, they probably would have had made it ahead. And which, uh, which some people do make a lot of money in shit coins, but those are usually the people who are teaching other people how to make money in shit coins. It seems to me. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so, so on both of those, uh, I don't know, I don't know how bullish a second is either. So I, I don't know about the bullish part. So I'm, I'm confused on the bullish parts, but I think they're really good. We're good articles. <laughs> I, I, I think it's the uh, just the <laughs> contribution to people eventually making the right de de decision, I think, is my angle that I'm taking. But I, I, I take your constructive criticism. <laughs> well, you know, I think all people who are new to Bitcoin, not all, I'll take it back, but I think a large amount of people who are new to Bitcoin that come into Bitcoin, whether they came in in 2017, 18, 19, 20, 21, they immediately want to go explore shit coins. And then when they lose a lot of money and have a lot of bags, then they realize they should have stayed in Bitcoin to begin with. You know, so I think that's kind of a natural progression for a lot of people to think, you know, gosh, if this went from five cents to $56,000, maybe I can get one that'll go from five, six cents to $100. You know, so unit bias, yeah. Thought. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, how about you? Uh, any thoughts on either the IRS thing or the uh, the 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 lack of uh, historical context for a lot of Ethereum fans? Yeah, um, <clears throat> it's weird to see an advertisement from the government for hackers. Uh, it seems odd, almost like a spoof. Um, but 
I would, uh, number one, I don't think they can do it. <laughs> I think the encryption is yeah. too hard. So that's kind of silly. Anybody who would attempt it is probably not smart enough to do it because anybody smart enough to do it probably wouldn't want to because they know they're wasting their time and they may not want to work for the government either and help them out. So uh, it's kind of laughable to me. So in a weird way, I, I kind of agree with you. It's, 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 it's bullish because the right people hear it and they go, okay, you know, let's just double check, uh, you know, make sure across our T's and dot our I's and make sure that whoever they hire is not going to beat us. You know, so the wallet manufacturers and whoever else has to do, you know, they're constantly working on it already. They they try to hack their own stuff and they're smarter than these other dudes. So uh, it's <laughs> it's weird. The whole thing's weird. That, you know, Ethereum, what, what can we say? Ethereum is a joke to me. Um, it's a big convoluted, crazy contraption that they can change the rules as much as they want. And uh, in the end, they're moving tokens around that are, that are trying to represent value and it's pegged against US dollars and other things. And um, be, they, they talk about smart contracts. They talk about all these things, but they everything is tied to this token called Ether, which is like a money or a, a value, a thing of value. It's not the smart contract. The ether is not the smart contract. So these other blockchains are trying to be money, even when they say they're not. And all the trading and all the DeFi is just moving Chuck E. Cheese tokens around between all of them uh, that are, you know, they're, they're given value because the market gives them value. But all the people involved are hoping for that. 25 cents to $25 and I'm going to get rich just like those damn Bitcoiners did that were hiding it from us and they wouldn't tell us about it, keeping it from <laughs> us all those years. And now they're rich and we're not. We're going to show them. It's just a joke. And so many other coins are on Ethereum. So when the underlying protocol is supporting all these other lesser crappy ones, it's just unfortunate. I think you're right. People new to the space are going to explore. I did it. I was fortunate enough to pay attention to very good signal while I was investigating. And I didn't go very long investigating. I was luckily steered right back to Bitcoin very quickly. I did not lose my shirt in shit coins. And I just, I don't, I don't touch them. You know, it's just not worth it. And you look at any chart compared to Bitcoin. It's one thing compared to the US dollar, but now go back and look at that thing you think is so great and compare it to Bitcoin and you'll see how crappy it really is. You should have just bought the Bitcoin, right? We all know that. I love it. Uh, yeah. Let's pass it to Nick. Nick, what are you feeling on uh, IRS slash uh, the Ethereum thing? So for the IRS one, I think it's really bullish because it's going to expose maybe some weaknesses and some hardware wallets that we couldn't see already. And uh, it's like a fresh new pair of eyes looking at it. So, you know, a lot of the people who are probably are, have been doing this stuff for years are like people who work at uh, manufacturing companies, like working on these hardware wallets, like, you know, you kind of like get into like the thought process of like, you know, how you go about things. And like this just, like I said, brings in a whole new uh, pair of eyes, different way of thinking on how to crack this stuff. And uh, if they do crack it, it doesn't matter because it's going to produce better hardware wallets. Uh, I think a lot of people should be shifting over to multi-sig once they hit like a certain amount. So it's like if you crack one hardware wallet, like, cool. Doesn't matter because yeah. your coins are in multi-sig. You know, you can just opt out that key, upgrade it, or get a different one, and you know your money is completely safe. So, 
I think it's bullish. I don't really see any downside to it. I like what Jim said. Like the people who know you can't really like do this stuff, like they're just wasting their time. Like they could definitely uh, better allocate their money and time than spending it on that. Uh, the whole Ethereum thing, it's so annoying hearing like the crypto traders on Twitter and like all the crypto people say, oh, Ethereum hitting new all-time high, but it's new all-time high in US dollars. It's not anywhere near all-time high in BTC. Like I saw a thing, it was like, and I, I trolled them from uh, the Bitcoin Magazine handle a little bit, but like Coindesk, The Block, and Cointelegraph are all putting out articles saying like new all-time high. And I like, I went on the uh, ETH versus Bitcoin chart and I like plotted those tweets in there. And I was like, are you sure it's on new all-time high? Because it doesn't look anywhere <laughs> near it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think... I don't really pay attention much to Ethereum outside of that. Like, it's just a total scam. Like, it started off as um, ETC, like Ethereum Classic, and then it went to Ethereum, and now it's on Ethereum, like, 2.0 maybe, and they're working towards 3.0, or they're working <laughs> towards 2.0. It, it, it's all over the place. I have no idea which version they're on, but I think Vitalik said he's going to issue, like, another new version after that, so he's just trying to keep the Ponzi going. Yeah, buy, buy this interim shitcoin before I release my real shitcoin. <laughs> to me, the Ethereum Classic fork to Ethereum whatever was enough, to, I would think. That's why I say a lot of those people just don't know what's going on because they're new and they're just looking for that, you know, that shiny object, I think. Yeah, hundred percent, Nick. I'm glad you brought up multisig too. Somebody in the uh, in the chat was like, "Would you even know if somebody cracked one key out of a two of three multisig, and what could you use as an early warning system?" Well, I mean, the thing is, if it's in multisig, unless somebody knows that particular hardware wallet is part of a multisig, then they could crack it and see zero funds and not know that it's associated with a multi-sig because it wouldn't show them that vault unless they also had access to the vault backup. So um, effectively, like you, you, you could put like a decoy amount of Bitcoin in just the regular hardware wallet and then have your main stash in a multi-sig. And then if you see any of the, the three keys have a movement of those decoy funds, then that would be your early warning system. And then you could get the, all of the multi-sig out into a, a new multi-sig. So yeah, I mean, you, you could set it up that way. And I think multi-sig is fantastic exactly for this use case because if they do crack a single wallet, like you said, Nick, well, good for you, I guess, but tough shit. The funds are gone already. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's get the, uh, the last bit of thoughts here. Let's toss it to Will. Will, uh, any thoughts on the IRS thing, on the Ethereum thing, whatever you want to add? Yeah, man, I don't have too much to add that these guys didn't uh, touch on already. Um, you know, I think the IRS thing is bullish because like Nick said, if there are any flaws in these hardware wallets, they'll be exposed. And then it'll also kind of, you know, uh, wake up the importance of multi-sig and, and using the right hardware wallet at least. Um, so I think that's a net positive. And then in regards to the Ethereum stuff, I mean, all Bitcoiners know that, you know, uh, the unit of account that you're using really kind of... Uh, opens your eyes to, to what's really going on. But I think from someone who is, is still operating in, in a U.S. dollar basis, um, like a lot of these traders, I think some of these coins, um, although obviously, you know, they're not a good long-term hold and anybody who um, doesn't know what they're doing shouldn't be trading in them. For some of these traders, they don't care about the fundamentals. They, um, 
they're just operating these low liquidity coins and they can kind of play around and manipulate the price. And, and uh, while Bitcoin is, you know, either going down or going sideways, they can kind of, you know, um, they can get some uh, more U.S. dollar returns in the meantime. So I think when, when we see Bitcoin go sideways like this, that's when you really see a lot of traders flip over into these low liquidity coins and they, you know, you see them start to pump. And that, that's what it really is. Traders are like, OK, Bitcoin's going sideways for a little while. I'm not going to get much gain out of here. So I'm going to move it into these these coins that I can, you know, artificially pump them myself. Um, so but yeah, anybody who, who um, you know, retail traders, somebody who's just looking to buy and hold something for the long term, don't mess around and all that. Don't mess around in trading, especially <laughs> don't use leverage. Just buy Bitcoin and hold. Um, I think that's what it really just comes down to. Nice. I love that. Uh, yeah, you heard it here, guys. It's so much easier to just stack sats than to to try and not only are you trying to outrun the capital gains if you're moving from Bitcoin to something else, you're trying to also outrun the performance of Bitcoin on top of the capital gains you just experienced. So why why fuck around with it? Why why bother? Just stack sats and relax. Um, but we're gonna move on to our next reason for being bullish. Lots of people in the chat. Thanks for uh, dropping them in here. I'm trying to pull them in as I see them. Um, there's a lot of people in there though, uh, and we're getting close to 300 people watching live. So uh, give this a share. Give this a like. We'll get even more people in here. But we're gonna jump over to Gary. And Gary, if you want to uh, give us your week, uh, your reason this week for being bullish, I'd be more than we, happy to hear it. Whether, you know, it's really, there's so many reasons to be bullish right now. You know, really, there's so much bullish news coming out, it seems like, every day. It's amazing to me that Bitcoin isn't uh, going faster than it is because of the amount of bullish news. And I had two uh, pieces of bullish news myself, but then I opened Cointelegraph and saw something else I want to switch to. So, But I do want to say one of my pieces of bullish news is that my friend, Sailor Surfer Jim here, was attacked by Chamuth Pataya, whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> I mean, when a, a Bitcoiner sitting there, pretty much minding his own business, can get attacked, to me, viciously by a billionaire shitcoiner, you know they're scared. You know that's positive for Bitcoin. And I haven't seen you since then, Jen, so I wanted to make sure and mention that because that was just crazy to me. I mean, and that was crazy to me, but that's the way shitcoiners are, you know. Uh, and, and by definition, he's a shitcoiner. Maybe he doesn't just doesn't understand. Um, so that was what I was going to go with. But also, I thought it was pretty bullish when Tesla sold off 10% of their Bitcoin this week. Um, that necessarily wasn't bullish, but the fact that um, Elon said that he's never sold any of his Bitcoin, I thought that was pretty bullish because we didn't know that Elon had any personal Bitcoin. But we should have known because my real reason for being bullish, sorry I have so many, my real reason for being bullish, I just opened up Cohen Telegraph and saw this article, MicroStrategy sees up to 52% revenue surge as sailor, the man... The, the bull machine says, confirms more Bitcoin buys ahead. That's bullish to me. This guy is the, is the perfect example of a bull. I mean, and he's buying, I mean, has this guy got a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin and he's buying more? I mean, you know, that's a bullish sign to me. So that's my real one there. I, I, I love it. Uh, his, his 
dollar cost averages on like a, a bi-weekly basis put my entire lifetime stack to shame and it makes me a little bit sad uh but that's okay i mean uh, there's definitely conviction there and you can tell the people that have done their their research in advance now I, you know i don't i don't agree with sailor on every aspect of of how he views bitcoin particularly it not becoming like a a, a a, a usable currency down the road and that um, it won't be replacing other things. I think that's just another stop along the road after store of value is like a, an absolute given for everyone. But his research into the, the kind of the base case for Bitcoin is came along so much quicker than most people that I've I've seen, um, but I guess it's because he was planning on putting skin in the game, and he did. So uh, good for him. I don't know. Let's 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 toss it to Jim and see what he had to say about any of that, including uh, uh, what was the name that you gave somebody? somebody I never can remember his name. I can't pronounce his name. If I just remember it. So I'm not being rude. I just have a hard time with the name. Chomoth Papaya. <laughs> no, that's not his real last name. No, no. Making fun. That yeah. was uh, that was actually a couple of weeks ago, but um, that was just weird. I was just upset with Bitcoin Magazine, not the magazine guys. I should be clear about that because Nick had nothing to do with it, and some of his the other great guys that I love over there. But the people doing the conference, I thought it was all Bitcoin, and then I heard he was a speaker, and Novogratz was a speaker, and they got a lot of speakers, and they're not all like super loyal to Bitcoin, like everybody on this call. You know, so I don't know. I thought it was more like Gary's conference, the big block boom conference. And I, I learned it wasn't. So I set, sent out an upset tweet about it. And then he answered and the, the uh, community rallied behind me because they thought he was beating up a regular dude and he should know better and whatever. You know, he's supposed to be for the downtrodden and then he b belittled me as if I was one of them. But, you know, I don't know. So but anyway, but uh, uh, what Gary said about what was it, um, Elon and, yeah. and Michael Saylor, you know, I thought it was weird that they that Tesla sold some stock, but I can I can relate to the idea that they had to show their shareholders that they can sell whenever they need, and it was a profitable sale, uh, profitable in dollars, right? I would not want to part with the Sats myself, but they're a corporation and they have shareholders and they got regular people that don't get this yet. So I could I could get that, and what Gary said that Elon didn't sell his own—that's obviously a good sign. Um, and Michael Saylor, you know, relentless, what you said about the amount he stacks in a day or a week. Oh man, I just could dream, dream forever. I'll never have that many, but what are, what are you going to do? I, I'm, I'm very happy. I'm happy with what I have and I'm happy to be here. And, uh, I don't know. It's hard to find not bullish news in my world. <laughs> Maybe it's cause I filter it. So I only hear the good stuff, but, uh, everything about Bitcoin's bullish to me. So, you know, 100%. what I think though, on the Michael's on the, um, Elon Musk, you know, situation about uh, Tesla selling the Bitcoin. Okay, let's say they were trying to prove to some board members or some attorneys or whatever that that it is a they can move their money out of there as liquid. I think what's even more important is the example that it set for other corporations who may be thinking about investing in the Bitcoin. And if that argument comes up or if that conversation comes up, you know, this is make believe money. Can we get our money out of this Bitcoin when it goes up? Now, here's an example of a corporation taking not a hundred or a thousand dollars. I mean, a major amount of money and liquidating it very easily. And I think that's probably a pretty strong sentiment. 
Prime thing ne the network didn't even react, right? Because it's not like they sold it like on the day it was announced. It was like they had previously made that sale, and there wasn't like a, a sudden like destruction of markets. It, they were able to liquidate it relatively easily. It seemed. I, I think that's the reason we see these um, so the sideways trading action and some of the dips we're seeing. I would have expected us to just go on a steady upward trend, but there are people that are selling large amounts. And that's uh, you know that slows the slows the upward rise, and and then you hear about it. So you're right. I think Tesla didn't buy uh, sell just last week. They sold and then they announced it last week. And when we saw the dip a week or two or three ago, it could have been part of that. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Nick, any any thoughts on on discussion here? Not not on that discussion. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. What about the uh, the uh, surfer gym uh, attack from Chamath? Uh, did did you get to partake in that? Did you see it? I I stayed off Twitter that day. I, <laughs> I I saw it going on. I didn't want to get involved in the drama. Uh, personally, my view is like he should not be acting like that. And Jim, the entire conference team was not happy with him. Just letting you know, like they were behind your back on that. Just letting you know. Um, one thing I would like to clear up is like speaking for myself. Yeah, there are some speakers at the conference that I don't personally like and I personally don't think should be there. Um, there are a lot of great speakers, though, and I think a lot of people have forgotten that. You know, we got Chad Saylor. We got Senator, Senator Cynthia Loomis. We got, you know, Alex Gladstein. We got a really, you know, solid group of people there. And um when all the people came up when like when they agreed to come on and speak like i was talking with the conference team about this because you know the bitcoin magazine team a lot of people have been blaming them the bitcoin magazine team is not the conference team two different teams two different goals like you know so um but when these people are on stage they are only going to be talking about bitcoin they're not going to be shilling any shit coin up there. I guarantee you they will probably, you know, in the after hours, like late at night when they're, you know, shilling shit coins to noobs, like we can't stop that. Uh, but like when they're on stage, like I promise you, they will only be talking about Bitcoin. And if they don't, we will deal with them. When, when Bitclout, <laughs> we'll, we'll see about that. <laughs> Oh, I think all of us are on BitCloud. I don't know I, how we got on there. I don't like, know. I I don't know. I I haven't looked, but I've uh, never been to the site. Yeah, I think yeah. they just like I, copy and pasted everyone's Twitter over, and it's like they're trying to lure you in because like you have to sign up and verify it through your Twitter, and when you verify it through your Twitter, it tweets out that you verified it, and oh, they really yeah. try to suck you into it by saying, "Hey, look at this free money you can claim." Don't claim it. Don't don't claim it. It's it's a total scam. Oh yep. man, yeah. Let's. Uh, uh, how about how about you, Will? Do you have anything to add in regards to uh, the frequency of uh, Sailor and Musk's stacking? Uh, anything along those lines? Yeah. So in regards to the the liquidity test, um, I, I think that's a bullish thing. I think um, Jim is right. Some of the selling that we saw in the last two weeks. Um, did come from uh, Tesla, and you can see that on chain um, via the, the age of the coins that were sold. So 
the coins that were sold throughout the entire dip were actually really young coins. So uh, Glassnode has a, a metric called uh, coin days destroyed. So the way you can think of this is if you have a coin in a wallet for one day, it has one coin day, right? If you have a coin in a wallet for 10 days and it doesn't move, it has 10 coin days. The second it's sold or moved out of the wallet, then those coin days are destroyed. And so you can look at that and then run a moving average over it, or you can uh, take a ratio of it with the volume on the network. And you can get uh, this metric called dormancy. And so dormancy was going down throughout the entire uh, dip that we had throughout the last, whatever, two, three weeks. So what, what's that saying is that older, the older hands, the older coins weren't moving. The coins that were being sold were new market participants, possibly hedge funds that were rebalancing at the end of the month, things like that. It wasn't long-term holders that were taking profits. So that actually paints a bullish picture because you're seeing uh, weak hands, you know, holders without conviction selling into um, wallets that were that were older, right? So, so you see this trend of weak hands selling off into strong hands, which is bullish. And then in regards to the liquidity thing, I think, um, you know, that's very bullish as well. Uh, in the last 24 hours, we did, let me see, we did about, uh, about 27% of volume is fake. So we did about $140 billion of volume across derivatives and spot. But you have to keep in mind, all the leverage just got wiped out in the last week. So usually that number is a lot higher, right? Um, so e even though we really don't have any, any uh, derivatives uh, volume right now, that, that's still a lot of liquidity. Bitcoin's extremely liquid. And so um, Tesla selling or, or any size sell like that really isn't moving the market as much anymore, especially if they do it in small increments. So I, I'm sure you all remember when, when Sailor had talked about when they buy, they, they make like micro buys, right? They make very small buys every couple seconds and they probably have some kind of like algorithm doing it, right? And so that it doesn't, you don't see this huge spike in price, right? They don't just go on exchanges and then just market buy 200, you know, 200 billion or whatever, right? They, they do it in these very small micro transactions over time so that they don't really affect the price that much. And so I suspect that Tesla did the same thing in their selling, which yeah, it probably had something to do with, with the price decline, but um, I, I wouldn't say that it was solely them. Um, and we also didn't see any huge uh, price decrease, which aside from um, everything that had to do with, with um, you know, the, the liquidations, which we can get into later on. But um, yeah, as, I was, general, yeah, as a general thing, I, I don't think it was it was mostly Tesla. It was probably um, hedge funds that were rebalancing. And then as well, just in general, you know, new market participants that just got freaked out. Right. They're like, oh, this thing just dropped. I think we dropped like 15, 20 percent in an hour. When we had all those liquidations, people probably freaked out and they're like, all right, I'm just I'm up, you know, I'm up two, three hundred percent on the year. I mean, on, in the last, uh, you know, 12 months. So I'm just going to go ahead and, and cash out here. And so we saw, you know, the, those strong hands coming to scoop up those coins. And did you were you looking at the uh, the <laughs> I think it was like a five minute candle or something. The big spike it was like a fifteen hundred dollar spike within like a few minutes, um, right around the time people were hyping up the the rumor that Facebook had bought and then clearly they didn't? Yeah. So yesterday, right around four o'clock, um, I was sitting on uh, on the uh, exchange liquidations because I would seen all the stuff about Facebook and you saw the speculators really rush in and they're, they must have thought, you know, they were going to front run some big event and they're maybe expecting something like when Tesla announced they bought and we went up 20% in a day. So you saw all these speculators come in. 
And then we had this huge um, wave of within, I think, 20 minutes, we had about $20 million worth of short liquidations. And that, that was what that huge spike up was in price um, yesterday, right around four o'clock after the market closed and, and Facebook was about to report their earnings. And then right after that, we saw a, a big, uh, not as not as big, but a, a big uh, uh, long liquidation uh, train within the next 10 minutes. So uh, don't play with leverage. <laughs> you heard it here first. I agree. Um, awesome. Okay. Well, let's keep it running here. Uh, lots of people in the chat still. Um, thank you guys all for being here between we've got like 260 people watching live. Hit that like button. Give this a share and let's keep rolling. I'm going to uh, toss it over to server Jim here. Uh, dude, please enlighten right. us. What has you feeling <laughs> bullish this week? Oh uh, boy, I, I consume so much content and something just gets me excited every hour of every day that I couldn't I couldn't think of one thing. And uh, I was just I was just um, contemplating yesterday about Bitcoin, just sitting, just just daydreaming. And I went, you know, it's amazing. Bitcoin's still working. It just keeps going. So I just tweeted out, Bitcoin is still working. And you know, of course, lots of people love that because it's just 10 minutes. It's like a heartbeat every 10 minutes. And I, then I started thinking about, well, how is it possible that this thing's still going like this? And it just makes me so bullish to think about the trail, you know, the the, the stumbling blocks that were overcome, the, the people that came and went, uh, the people that came and stayed that were so critical to the trajectory of Bitcoin and all the important uh, things that have been done with the code and with all the support, like the wallets, all these different things. You know, giant ecosystem, it's 12 years, and it's just grown immensely. And, and then you sit back and go, and it's like the tip of the iceberg. Like, so many people have no clue this is even really happening to any great extent. They might have heard about it, but they just don't know the significance yet. And boy, that is just so incredibly bullish. I, I don't know how you can't be bullish when you kind of get you got to get to that point, but boy, when you do, you just go, oh, $60,000 Bitcoin's cheap as hell. What are you kidding me? Oh, compared to where it's going to be in 10 years for anybody young, like our Zoomers that are on this call. Oh man, you get one Bitcoin, you're going to be one of the wealthiest people in the world in 10 to 20 years, like top 1%. Hard to comprehend. One Bitcoin, F less than 60 grand right now, 57,000. I'm looking at the chart. It's just, I don't know how I can't be bullish. I don't know how anybody can't be bullish. It's all those people that just don't know what Bitcoin is yet. And they, they're just clueless. It's really, I don't know, man. I can't shut up about it. I know I piss people off because, no, look at this. Look at, look at this shirt I got. Warning, may spontaneously talk about Bitcoin <laughs> because that's what I do every day. I just can't shut up, man. I'm so freaking bullish. I can't stop. I don't know. It, it's great. I, I, I love I love that sentiment. It's so true. Like you, it's easy to forget when you're in the thick of it and you're just like on Bitcoin Twitter all day. But when you really step back and you just talk to like normie friends, if, if they're still tolerable, if they're still tolerable, <laughs> um, you yeah, know, like tough. you talk to normie friends and you're like, we are so goddamn early. Like nobody has an inkling of how important this is and how much it's going to change things. Like they, they mm -hmm. still think of it like, like a stock that just did well, 
this it's year. It's true. It's totally true. They don't understand. You could tell them the words. It's a protocol for money. It's the best form of money humans have ever had. It's the tool all humans need. It's here. It's going to change humanity. It's going to change incentives. It's going to reduce governments, reduce wars, uh, bring about worldwide prosperity, give people much more free time. Prices of everything will come down. Like it affects everything. They can't, they can't grasp any of that, man. It's way too much. That's like a fire hose for everybody. They can't get that. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it takes the, a while, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to even fathom how, how much impact this is going to have on the world. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Let's, let's get a boomer or let's get a, a zoomer opinion on that. Uh, let's, let's dive down to, to Nick there. Um, are you, are you feeling what Jim is saying? Yeah, I remember when I first, the very first day I found Bitcoin was either October or November 2017, around like $6,000. And it completely blew my mind. And I looked up on Twitter, I just looked up either like Bitcoin or crypto, because I looked up crypto probably because I didn't know better at the time. But I saw this tweet and it just like, it it made me so bullish and like i was like okay i gotta look into this and the tweet was something along the lines of like for all the newcomers like th this whole ecosystem has been building right under your nose for the past like you know nine ten years or whatever and you couldn't see it until now and as i dug more and more deeper into bitcoin i was like holy shit there's so much to this like it completely it completely changed the way i thought about so many different things and i think that that happens to so many different people and like there are going to be so many smart and talented people who come into this space who have that like you know light bulb moment like oh, holy shit bitcoin's here to stay it's going to change the world it's going to be revolutionary I can get rich off of it at the same time. So, you know, they have an incentive to uh, get into it and they're going to come into the space and they're going to provide so much knowledge and value to the space. They're going to forward it so much. Like I can't wait to see whoever the next Jack Mallers is because he's going to do like extraordinary things. Like Jack Mallers did extraordinary things. I want even, you know, better than that. And that's like, that's extremely hard to beat, you know? So um also like when you get into bitcoin it's like the even more bullish thing is it's like it, we are so early that but like there's still so much upside and you got to act fast especially in a bull run because like a few weeks ago or months ago now maybe like one of my friends i grew up with hit me up and he was like dude should i buy bitcoin I don't know. It's, it's $34,000. You know, should I just buy Doge instead? And I was like, no, stay the hell away from Doge. Just buy Bitcoin. He didn't buy Bitcoin. And now we're at what? $57,000. Like uh, it's like Bitcoin. You, you can't wait for it. And it's like Bitcoin is just screaming at you. Like I'm important. Pay attention to me. And a lot of people aren't, but I think as number goes up, like Jim was saying, it's just going to attract so many eyeballs and so many people are going to get into it, get completely fascinated and obsessed with it. And then they're just going to want to talk about it all day, every single day, 24 seven. <laughs> Will, what do you do when uh, everybody is talking about it all day, every day? 
um, but that's because they're they're just using it and uh, dollars don't exist anymore. What's your shtick after you can't uh, examine the Bitcoin charts anymore as, <laughs> as your thing? It's a good question, man. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself and I can't stare at the glass node charts all day long. <laughs> I guess you still could. I mean, it would be you'd be more of an economist, better a better yeah. economist than we have today for fiat, right? Yeah, you know, the, the cool thing is, about the on-chain data, this is the way you can kind of think about it. If you could right now see everybody transacting, like everybody on the street handing each other $20 bills, $5 bills, and you could see all of that transparently on a ledger and you could cluster all those different entities that behave the same, different ages of them, you know, um, how convicted they are in, in holding their money, like how, how, um, how heavily they save or are they just spending the money as soon as they get it. You can track all of these things through the on-chain data, right? And so as, as uh, you know, Bitcoin becomes more relevant and, and becomes, um, as we all believe, the global money, you'll be able to track the behavior of, of all the, um, and, and I don't say this in a, in a way of, of forensics, right? Because we have like chain analysis who they actually are, are going through and figuring out who you are and the behavior of what you're doing, but we can get a general trend of the behavior of different entities without knowing your identity and seeing the behavior of, of what the economy is doing. So I find that fascinating in the sense of we are just talking about the upside, you know, we, we have to remember, we, we tend to get caught up, like we were saying in, in our little uh, Bitcoin echo chamber, right? And if there weren't people on the other side of the trade, there would be no upside. If the majority of people weren't on the other side of the trade, there wouldn't be the giant upside that there is. So I think in a way you have to look at that as a good thing. Um, and, and also I kind of see it as a filter, right? Because the people who do their due, do their due diligence, excuse me, and actually do their homework, when we get on the other side of this thing, they're going to be the ones that had adopted Bitcoin earlier on and they're going to see the price appreciation, right? So in that regard, I see Bitcoin as this huge filter to filter out all the people that, you know, they just want to do these get rich quick schemes. They just want to know, um, you know, what do I buy? Right. And, and, and nobody cares about actually looking into why, you know, sound money is important. All these things that Bitcoiners have have researched and, you know, put in hours of listening to podcasts, reading articles, scrolling through Twitter all night long, you know, going down different rabbit holes and, and understanding things. Um, and so those people are going to get filtered out. Those people are going to be on the, the laggard end of the adoption curve, right? And so when we get when we get to the other side of this thing, the people that are going to be able to uh, allocate capital are going to be people that are critical thinkers and, and independent thinkers as well. Gary, what, what helped you get over that hump um, when I don't necessarily see as many uh, boomers that have the the type of epiphanies that you and Jim do here. Wh like, what was it for you? Um, well, for me, I, I it took me I think the typical three uh, three times. I missed it at a hundred and I missed it at a thousand. But luckily, I got in at the three thousands, you know, and started. So um, I bless my stars that I saw it the third time. But it, you know, the first two times it was explained to me as online stocks, and. I'm terrible at stocks. I've lost so much money doing online stocks that when I heard it, I was like, ah, forget that. Now, if the first time uh, the first person would have explained it as an internet protocol, I would have sat down and listened a little longer, you know, but it wasn't explained that way. So um, in my opinion, but, you know, I've noticed so many of my boomer friends now are uh, moving into Bitcoin and I, uh, 
a lot of my friends are doing well financially. So I'm having friends, 10,000, 20,000, 100,000, you know, $150,000 worth of purchases as their first purchases. So let's face it, uh, a lot of boomers, you know, have been hanging on their money and um, they've got some in savings and they've been investing it. And uh, like I said, the people I talk to are putting money into Bitcoin and, and, uh, maybe I talk them into dollar stocks, uh, dollar cost averaging. You know, like I have a good friend of mine I put in the dollar cost averaging and with Swan over there. And I think he started with a hundred dollars a week or something like that. And next thing I know, he told me, I talked to him a month later and it was at 500. And I talked to him a month later and he bought a hundred thousand, you know? Oh, so, I mean, you know, nice. so, yeah. So he, he, he kind of saw it move pretty quickly. Um, and he's still buying. He's going, hey, you know, called me the other day. He goes, how low do you think this is going to go? I want to get some more. And I said, <laughs> well, I would think that if it got to 54, that would be the bottom. And so I don't know. I haven't talked to him to see if he bought I think it got to 57 maybe. So I'm not sure if he got any or not. But the thing is, he's way up. And he started buying in right before Christmas, I think. You know, he made his big purchase right before Christmas. And he's way the hell up. So people, I think, have a hard time realizing how early they are. And that's the big thing. I'm, and I'm like, Jim, oh, my gosh, I can't go to a place. Don't ask me about Bitcoin if I'm at a party or an event. Because <laughs> I, I, and I'm kind of like going, I'm sorry. I'm probably giving you way more information than you wanted to have. If you just want to know how is it doing or something. And then an hour later, I'm like through with him. So. Um, but I think that's the thing is people have got to, at some point, there's going to be a point where they realize that they're not late. Because as I always say to them, when I talk to them, they say, am I late? I go, you know, the people who bought it a hundred said they were late because they could have got it at a dollar. And the people who bought it a thousand said they were late because they could have got it at a hundred dollars. And the people who bought it at 10,000 said they were late because they could have got it at a thousand, literally. No one's bought it pretty much and said, you know, this is the best time in the world to buy this stuff. I'm really early. They, they don't say that. Yeah. I didn't say that. Jim, no one's, you didn't say yeah, that when you no. bought your first one. But you went. No, it was anyway, expensive. You, yeah, you understood the deal. You understood the value. You understood the proposition that was being offered to you. And yeah. you went for it. And you were right. And you knew you were right when you went for it. And then when you've been in it for a while like we have, you know, and you see it go from in 2017 from 19,000 down to under 4,000, mm -hmm. and then you go back up to in the 60s, you know, you're going, okay, nothing's phasing me anymore. You know, and I'm, nothing, yeah, nothing's phasing. My wife didn't see all that happen. You know, that was all behind the scenes. <laughs> Maybe now, that's a good thing. Yeah, well, yeah, it is a good thing. It was, but now <laughs> it's really kind of funny because she'll see it go from, what was it, like 65? few weeks ago or a month ago down to 56 or whatever she's going what's happening I said, you just got to get used to this i said what are you going to do if we have it drop down to 30 honey you're going to have a heart attack you just need to get it get used to this and so but like i said we're, we're early and uh on jim's thing and i i, I just think that uh the, the the more people that can get into uh, what i what i think is what every damn you know, uh, Maximus is going to think, you know, so I'm not going to go on any further because everybody knows what I'm saying. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. Everybody, um, everybody always thinks they're late when they first start, but nobody is ever late is really the, the rationalization here. No one is ever late. You're never too late 
to get. You mind if I just tag him real, real quick? Yeah, um, do it. So, so Glassnode has this metric, and it's called entities, right? So they basically just cluster together different addresses, and, and they can say, okay, they you know they like really smart, way smarter than any of us, like data scientists, clustering together these addresses and saying, okay, that looks like one entity, that looks like another entity, and so then you can plot out these entities basically on like what looks like a logarithmic adoption curve, right? And so if you plot that out into the future. And that probably by 2024, 2025, we're on track to have about a billion entities on the Bitcoin network. So one entity can be one of us, right? With with a uh, with a hardware wallet, it can also be a corporate treasury. It can be you know any kind of institution, family office, right? But we're on track for a billion entities by 2024, 2025. And then if we follow that that uh, logarithmic curve out in the next two years, we're on track for another billion. So like, like we're all saying, you know, it's hard for it's hard for humans to really wrap their minds around exponential patterns. And that's what we're seeing here. It's 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 a uh, it's a network effect. And these things are, are exponential. They're not linear. And so it's hard for a lot of people to really wrap their minds around, you know, I can't buy this thing here. It's it's so high. And then it, it you know, it doubles, triples in the next month or two, because the amount of and if you're just looking in the last couple months we're seeing like this huge parabolic just shoot right up in in both um, users like the the entities i was referring to you can also like call them users if you want to um or, and also accumulation addresses so addresses that have received at least two funds or i'm sorry at least two transactions but they've never released their funds so they're just steadily stacking and we're seeing this huge parabolic increase in both of those metrics so we're kind of in each cycle has this like parabolic um, stage of adoption um, about midway through the cycle. And, and we're seeing that. Um, and that's just going to keep persisting until Bitcoin takes over as, as global money. And, and you know, it, it's just so early and it's hard for people to really wrap their heads around it. But we're just at, at the beginning of that S curve. Right. You, you know, you think about technology and, and adoption curves. We're right at the beginning of that S curve. Yeah. Hundred percent. It's 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 going to be crazy to watch it play out. I I don't know how everybody's going to handle it, and they're all going to handle it differently. Um, and I'm curious to see. I'm a little worried about um how some of my friends will handle it because I feel like um some friendships will will uh, flourish and others will potentially be destroyed unfortunately um but you know some people just lean certain ways and uh you know want want to paint um what i view as as one of the the best innovations that will help propel humanity into the future and make us the the most efficient um that we possibly can be um but people don't want to hear it if if uh if everything isn't equally divvied out to everybody, I suppose. So, hey, um, we're going to keep it going, though. I want I want to keep it upbeat. Uh, again, we've got tons of people in here. Hit that like button. Give this a share. Um, lots of people in the chat. Keep that up. Uh, keep those uh, messages coming in. We're going to toss it to Nick, and we're going to get his reason for being bullish this week. Take it away, dude. So my reason for being bullish this week is... This either happened, I think it happened last week. The mayor of Jackson, Tennessee announced that he was going to look into adding Bitcoin mining to the balance sheet of the city, as well as pay their um, employees in it. Now, I can tell he is very new 
to the space because like there's just a certain style of way you talk about like the space and like crypto and bitcoin like you can just tell he's new plus he was talking about like ethereum and litecoin and stuff i'm gonna give him a little pass because he's new and he's figuring himself out i know i went through a shitcoin phase you know he's just gonna go through his uh but it is pretty damn bullish to have yet another mayor of a city who's a bitcoiner and is trying to adopt a bitcoin standard and it's like I'm so young and I am looking at my future and like, where do I want to live when I'm older? I I can tell you who I don't want to live around and live with. I don't want to live with a bunch of commies. And I don't want to live with a bunch of socialists. That's for damn sure. I want to live with other Bitcoiners and other like-minded people who have the same values and beliefs as me. And I think as more and more cities and states adopt Bitcoin and people, you know, start to live on a Bitcoin standard. They think, you know, like on a Bitcoin standard, like all the commies are going to be driven out because they're going to be like, oh, Bitcoin, you know, uh, it's boiling the oceans. You know, it's it's doing this. It's doing that. Like they literally, I put out a tweet about this earlier. Like everything that they uh, blame Bitcoin for that's what the current system does like the current system is so corrupt and awful and just doesn't work and like they blame that for being bitcoin and like i don't want to be around that i want to be around more like-minded people so when i think of like okay where do i want to build my dream citadel after you know we moon in like over the next 10 years it's like my options are opening up to where i want to go and like my there the the competition between states in the US is going to come back thanks to bitcoin and it's like they're going to want my business and it's like well if you're going to want my business and you're going to want me spending my bitcoin there like i'm going to step back and i'm going to see who's going to treat me the best and i'm going to go and vote with with my money and vote with my feet on whoever is going to treat me best as a citizen yeah, we're seeing. Well, we're seeing the sovereign individual start to play out, right? You're seeing. Um, it, I mean, it started with the most nimble, which is individuals. Then it moved to uh, now companies and treasuries are cluing in, but also municipalities cluing in. I'm wondering what the first U.S. state is going to be to to say that they're starting to think about putting Bitcoin into treasury. My, I mean, maybe Wyoming, maybe Texas, maybe Florida. I don't know. Do you have money on any particular one? I got my money on Texas. Like, <laughs> I think so? I think Texas probably. Texas, Florida, or Wyoming are all good shouts. Uh, Tennessee, I think, is kind of under the radar, but I I see what's happening in Tennessee, and I think Tennessee can definitely be a a state that does it. Definitely won't be California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> won't be California. Won't be you know. Uh, Portland is that a state? I don't know. I'm dumb. Uh, Oregon, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm I'm bullish on states that are adopting Bitcoin. I it's it's very very bullish to see. Like if you would have told me when I got into Bitcoin that I'd see this this quickly, I wouldn't believe you. Like when I got into Bitcoin, people were saying to me like, "Dude, you know the institutions are coming, right? Like people institutional buyers are going to be buying this stuff," and I'm like. I'll believe it when I see it, you know, and now it's like, oh, another mayor adds Bitcoin to their balance sheet. Okay. You know, when's the next one? 
Yeah, hundred um, percent. Gary, what what are your thoughts on kind of this progression of Bitcoin ownership going through all of these different phases from individuals to to companies to now small level governments? Where where do you see this going? Well, I think this is a natural progression. Then we start seeing states, and then we start seeing countries, and then then it's over. But um, I don't know if Texas will be the next one to make it into treasuries. Um, so for a city to in Texas to have a Bitcoin in their treasury or to have anything in their treasury, there's a, a Texas Treasuries Act or something. I, I know I don't have the name right. And it lists on it what you can a city can invest their money in. And it's an old act. So Bitcoin is not on this list. And uh, in Texas, the uh, government only meets every two years and it's finishing up right now. So I want to meet again. It'll have all next year off. So I would think that someone else with that amount of time would leapfrog ahead of Texas because they may not have that act in that state or tech. They may be able to buy Bitcoin in that state where right now I've had a talk with the mayor. We were talking about it and they said, until you get this act taken care of, we our hands are tied. He goes, if you look at the list, it's very short what the list can do. Now, Texas, though, on the other hand, has going through the house right now a bill to make uh Bitcoin uh accepted as legal tender, and I think some other cryptos too. So they are moving just that particular scenario of holding Bitcoin as a treasury is not being acted unless the state can do something different than cities can do. Um, which uh, I, I don't think they can, but I'm not an expert on that. But I have talked to a few people who are about the bill and they've all agreed, yeah, that cities can't buy it. But yeah, mm. I think that um, it's just a matter of time. I, and I think people have said this forever. Small people, big people, corporations, states, countries, then it's over. You know, and then the game yeah. ends. And, and now... And I think we're even starting to see some countries, you know, that there aren't flaunting it. But uh, I think a lot of people say that what Iraq is North Korea, Venezuela, and it's probably some other countries mining it. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised with the way the United States can just print as much money as they want. They just don't print another couple trillion and buy a buttload. I mean, what would it hurt? They can just they don't have to worry about mining it. They can just <laughs> print a couple trillion dollars. <laughs> now, Jim, uh, what do you think in terms of, you know, how does this play out in the end? Like, does it, does it get to country level and it's all over? Do central banks just throw in the hat? Do they start adding to treasury or did they, is it like, is it like tooth and nail fighting to the very end? Like, what do you think the end game is here? Oh, I have a lot to say about this, but before I say anything, I feel like you skipped Will. And yeah, well, and he's supposed to go next with his most bullish. And so if he responds to Nick, he's going to go twice in a row. But I don't care. It's your show. All good. <laughs> let's get uh, let's get Will's thoughts and then we'll jump to Jim and then we'll jump back. Well, to isn't Will. Jim nice to really help you out there? <laughs> I know. Sure so, so cordial. <laughs> <laughs> let's go ahead and let Jim go, to be honest, because I'm going to go off on a whole tangent and it's going to take the conversation <laughs> in a whole nother direction. So let's let Jim go so first and then I'm going to start your... rambling. You, your response right into your bullish rant. So there you go. So <laughs> so to answer your question, um, I, I find it interesting how we all do this. We talk about states. We talk about governments. We talk about these entities 
that only change, that only do things after a human being makes a decision. So it always, always, always boils down to some people somewhere saying, do this, don't do that. Other people taking orders, believing they must, getting paid to do whatever they're told. So when you say a government is going to put Bitcoin on its balance sheet, so a couple of things are going to happen. The people who do that are going to have to figure out what to do. They're going to have to figure out, okay, if we do this, we're sticking our necks out. We got to figure out how to hold it. So custodial solutions will get big. Then they got to figure out how to spend it. And then the accountability will start because it can be made much more accountable. So now these people that used to skim off the top and pay their buddies under the table and do all this crap that government gets away with, they're all going to go like, oh, shit, we can't get away with that anymore. What do we do to ourselves? We shot ourselves in the foot. We, 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 we tipped over our own gravy train and we're now going to starve. Uh-oh. So this is the beginning of shrinking governments. They won't be able to get away with the same crap. It's perfect. And I hope they all decide to do it. And what, why would a central bank do this? There are people running the central bank. They'll do it because they will then steal it. They will divvy it up amongst themselves. Why would a central bank buy Bitcoin when they could print as much money as they need in the crappy fiat currency? Because they, the humans that run it are going to figure out, oh, shit, the jig is up. We got to get some of this other money before they come after us with pitchforks because we're gonna. They all deserve to be hung or in jail forever or something. They've destroyed lives across the planet for over 100 years. The central banks are the central banks and the central bankers are the most evil people at the top of all of this. It's just absolutely disgusting. We are tax slaves to them manipulating currency. We are forced to use the jig is up. You bastards. I wanted to say something else, but yeah, you're going down, man. I might not get to see it, but Will and his generation, his kids and grandkids, they're going to live in a much better world. I am so excited for you guys, man. It's going to be good. Oh, I love me a good gym rant. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's toss it to Will. Will, uh, feel free to take whatever tangent you like with this. Yeah, so firstly, to respond to you know what Jim was just saying, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, a lot of Bitcoiners want this stuff to happen within the next five, ten years, but it might take a lot longer than a lot of us um, – expect that this might take to play out right and we just kind of have to kind of have to just stay the course if we look at just the history of different empires or, or fiat currency sometimes even though um, clearly you know they're flawed all along it takes uh, a lot longer than you would expect for for the collapse of them actually to play out so um uh, you know I, I hope jim's around for it um so he can, Me too. He can see what he wants to happen <laughs> but uh yeah there's there's always a possibility that i might be you know I might be the age of some of these guys when uh, when this stuff plays out. So time will tell. But it 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 uh, if you think of it just as this natural state, you know, um, of the way things flow. I mean, eventually, um, eventually they're gonna have to. Uh, uh, eventually, they're gonna have to uh, give up their way to to the um, inevitable Bitcoin adoption that we know is gonna happen. And then to, to get to my point about why I'm bullish, um, obviously I'm going to you know start ranting about the data here, but what I'm seeing on chain is just the fact that coins are being moved to uh, a liquid addresses. So what that means is that, so Glassnode clusters, we were talking about the entities earlier, 
they cluster them into liquid, highly liquid, and um, illiquid, right? And so 78.3% of Bitcoin supply is in these entities that are labeled illiquid. So they have no history of selling. So like Glassnode looks at these entities, they say, okay, you have on average, you move like a very marginal percentage of your coins, you know, on aggregate, you're just continuing to buy and nothing's coming out. You're just like a black hole, right? And so 78.3% uh, of coins are either lost or they're in these um, address or entities that, that have no history of selling. And throughout the last year, especially since, um, you know, midway through March when we had the liquidity crisis, we've just seen this insane drawdown um, in, in liquid supply, meaning like these, these strong hand holders that have no history of selling just completely um, are just scooping coins off the market on, on levels that we've never seen before. And so, you know, obviously there, there need to be some big players in there. It, it's not just all the plebs at this point. Um, the, the, you know, the liquidity and then the size of the market cap we have now, um, it needs to be institutions and those kinds of players that are doing this to really make a big impact on the charts that I'm, I'm looking at. So I think it just goes to show you after March, when we had this huge liquidity crisis, people began to, really kind of changed the way that they behaved with Bitcoin as an asset and really started to recognize it as this kind of, you know, um, macro, you know, legitimate inflation hedge. And, and, you know, throughout all bull runs, you see liquidity go up over time. So, you know, people are selling out or they're trading, doing all this in and out stuff. Right. Um, but what we're seeing is just consistently throughout this bull run, it just completely coins are just moving right into these strong hands every dip is just getting uh, bought up by these really strong hands. So it's very bullish because like I said, these addresses have no history of selling. So that, you know, that's a really good thing to see. Um, and people talk about, is this cycle different? Well, in a lot of ways, the behavior of the holders that we're seeing it is different, right? Um, people are, people are uh, behaving completely different, um, especially in a bull market. You know, obviously you see accumulation in bear market, but never to this scale in a bull market. So, if, you know, let's say, um, you know, towards the end of the year, usually I think what happens is someone like people have to pay taxes or rebalance in December. And that's why we usually see the bull run die down at the end of the year. But, um, you know, when you're talking about institutions are very bureaucratic, uh, bureaucratic, sorry. So they, you know, they take three to six months plus for them to go from deciding, okay, we're going to take a position in Bitcoin to actually being able to make that buy. Right. So, the, we had this rare opportunity as plebs to front run all of this money that's probably coming in towards the end of this year, right? And and there's nothing they can do about it, you know? They're just watching the price run away, but they have to go through all these, you know, hoops and, and regulatory things to jump through. And so if we get to the end of the year when the cycle would normally die down and we see then this huge wave of money come in then, and by then, you know, they're probably going to FOMO in because they wanted to take the position six months ago and Bitcoin did 5x, 10x by the, you know, by that time. Um, we might see, I, my base case is kind of a, uh, a double pump like we saw in 2013 where we see, um, you know, this huge parabolic increase and then just based off of, the fact that I was just saying institutional money probably won't come in till Q3, Q4. Um, and so that's when I really see this huge second um, spike up. And who knows, you know, we might see a prolonged bull market um, just based off of the data and the behavior of, of the market participants, because these people are not selling. And and even the newcomers um, in, in not recently, but like in, in, uh, 
in late last year, a lot of that was probably Michael Saylor. But um, these, I know I'm kind of contradicting myself because earlier I said it was the newer coins that were selling, but I'm talking like the last couple months, but the last like three to six months towards the end of last year, those holders, they're not selling and the ones that are just steadily accumulating. So yeah, I, I think it's very bullish setup for the end of the year. I'll, I'll, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Um, I, I like that uh, the sentiment of the average pleb is infecting uh, institutions, right? Because I mean, that's, that's kind of, the the playbook of of the pleb is is just stack and never sell you just accumulate and you just try to accumulate this pristine beautiful sound money this pristine collateral that that you you never want to part with and you just accumulate the number that matters is not the dollars but rather the number of sats in your wallet and so um, to see that playing out and and people that are, are stacking for institutions getting that people like Elon saying, well, you know, we tested liquidity, but like, no, we're going to continue to stack sats, whether it be um, on the balance sheet or, or through the accumulation through selling vehicles and accepting Bitcoin as payment um, that will continue to go onto our balance sheet. I love seeing stuff like that. I love seeing Sailor drop insane amounts of money going like balls deep right out the gate and then continuing to DCA afterwards. Like it's, it's so funny because you would have thought, well, there's his position and, and no, he's never done. Um, and I can't wait to see more of that. But uh, Gary, do you, do you see this playing out in your, in your circles as well? Yeah, I, th- I, uh, I do. But I, I speaking of Sarah, what she said, what always gets me about him is a quote. I think I read where he, or saw on TV where he said, he bought his Bitcoin before MicroStrategy did um, his personal Bitcoin, and he bought seventeen thousand Bitcoin <laughs> or something, and woke up at night in a sweat because he thought he didn't buy enough. He was scared he didn't buy enough. So anytime I hear someone talking about Michael buying, I'm going, "Oh my gosh, you're more Bitcoin than I could ever think about buying." And he wakes up in a sweat, thinking that he didn't buy enough, and then he goes and starts buying it with his company. Um, you know, the thing you were saying a few minutes ago, well, about the people or the companies, you know, taking a while to make their decisions to buy Bitcoin and then not selling their Bitcoin quickly because it takes them a while to do, I think you were saying. How is that affected with uh, the new capital gains taxes that are coming out? Doesn't that even reinforce hodling, you know, the Bitcoin because uh, no one wants to pay those high capital gain taxes? Yeah, I, I'm completely on board with you. Um, I think it's one of those things, it's, it's, it's short-term bearish um, for the people that are going to get freaked out by it, but it's very long-term bullish because I think it, it has this huge incentive for people just to hold on to their coins, right? Why would, or at least just borrow against them? We have all this infrastructure now where you can borrow against your coins. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's bullish as well. And just to, this is very short, but just to tap in on what you're saying about Sailor front running, we saw the same thing with Tesla in the on-chain data, right? Like the week before Tesla bought, um, you can track like the stable coin flows to exchanges and Tesla bought about one and a half um, billion dollars, right? We saw over $3 billion of Tether was moved in the week before um, Tesla announced. And that was like the all-time high spike we ever saw by far. So someone had some kind of knowledge or it was like Elon and his executives or something, but someone was front-running them as well. So yeah, I think you bring up an interesting point there that 
not only are we seeing the institutions, right, but it's it's the people that are front running the institutions as well. Yeah, and they know, and and I don't know. Maybe it's not illegal in Bitcoin where it might be in the stock market, but I feel like they can say, okay, this is going to happen. I know this yeah, giant purchase yeah. is getting ready to be made. I'm just going to go ahead and buy some and take advantage of it personally because it's not a illegal form to do. Mm-hmm. So you get more Bitcoin taken off the table. <laughs> I love it, Jim. Do you think? Uh, do Do you think that? Um, pleb culture is in infecting institutions do you think they're taking a page from from your book and and others books uh i think that you know again you you have to think about the fact that it's always individuals making individual choices even if it's on behalf of an organization so some people see the memes and they see the laser eyes and they some people are getting curious and they'll tune into this broadcast. Some of these people are in government. Some of them are in securities trading and all kinds of, you know, yeah, we have an effect actually now. I think we really do. Uh, us crazy, maximalist, toxic, <laughs> whoever, whatever you want to label us. Uh, I, I don't think it can, well, I don't think it could be stopped at all. I don't think anybody could ever stop Bitcoin at this point, but it really is starting to seep into the, the general regular culture. And, uh, and those are some of the same people that run those other big institutions, or they're at a holiday dinner with somebody who's raving about Bitcoin and they're like thinking, oh, that again, and, you know, and then the, maybe their relative says something that clicks and they're like, uh oh, I better go into the office next Monday and take a look at that a little more serious. So one by one. People are going to get it and whatever it takes. And sometimes it's some toxic pleb meme or whatever. Uh, you know, it, it's not going to stop. That's for sure. Hey, I, while, while I'm talking here, I really was curious about Will. Um, I know that you do a lot of this analysis. You're a young guy. You talk very uh, eloquently and uh, very intelligently about this space for, for so few years in it. I'd be curious if, if uh, Ben wouldn't mind a, a minute or two uh, introduction about how did you get involved in finance at such a young age? And then how did you click into this chart analysis stuff? You know, it seems like a specialty of yours and you seem pretty good at it. So I just haven't heard your story. So I, I don't want to take up the, the thing here, but no, go. I was go curious. Yeah. <clears throat> sure. So thanks for the kind words, first of all. Um, yeah. So around last year, you know, when, when the, uh, the big liquidity crisis hit, I was, like every other kid just looking and I was like, everything looks cheap. Let me make a couple of, you know, quick bucks here. And, but I, I didn't want to just, you know, all my buddies were just blindly throwing their money into stuff. And I wanted to really understand what I was doing because I'm somebody who um, I'm very skeptical. So if I'm going to do something, I really want to understand it. Right. And so I started looking into like different types of investing. And what really clicked with me was the, uh, you know, the kind of like free cash flow based value investing where you're just predicting cash flows into the future. I thought that was like very logical. Um, and, but what happens is, is you, you come to realize that you're making the assumption that um, the measurement that you're making calculation with is, is sound money. Right. And it's yeah. not, it's, it's like you're measuring a house with a ruler stick that's changing every day. It's, it's insanity. <laughs> and so that's what really led me down the rabbit hole to, you know, what what is sound money? Um, you know, what's the most um, sound form of money that exists? And then that really led me towards Bitcoin. So I think I bought my first Bitcoin in like the end of August. And then since then, it was just, you know, pretty dive down the rabbit hole. And then I ran into, I'm sure everybody's familiar with Willie Wu. 
he's kind of like the pioneer in the in the uh, on-chain uh, analytics space. He made like you know over half of the metrics that I'm even looking at. So he's been a huge influence on me. I've just kind of like watched every video of him that I could get my hands on. I've been home from college, so um, I've been just kind of stuck in the house. That probably has a, a big uh, you know piece of it. Uh, the fact that I've just been on my computer all day long, but yeah, Willie Wu, a lot of him, um, and this guy David Poyle as well. Uh, he's he's a pioneer in the, in the on-chain analytics space. But like I said, I just find it fascinating because you know you can you can track everything that's going on. You have in traditional finance technical analysis where you're drawing lines or you're using moving averages, which you know um, they they work sometimes, right? But your lines don't matter if a whale wants to step in and you know buy a billion dollars of bitcoin your lines are just going to get completely invalidated you know no one cares your about models your models are destroyed yeah exactly yeah. so the interesting thing about the on chain is that you're actively tracking um the capital flows and it also so for example like plan b has a stock to flow model right and it says 288 right that's his that's his average value for the thing but you know the models that i'm looking at i have the uh the benefit where i can say okay well my predictions are changing day to day based off from what i'm seeing in these different um the models that i'm looking at so i can kind of actively change my prediction based off of this you know uh what i'm seeing in the data day to day because it's changing constantly and you can really get a good sense of you know everybody's bearish last week right um and everyone's like oh we're going down. We're going to go way further. We're going to go, you know, down to 30 K or something. And, and all the on-chain valuations, um, there was really strong on-chain support at, at, uh, 47 K. And so I was like, this thing's not going down 47 K. It's not that I I'm like really smart or anything like that. It's just, I'm looking at these models and these models are saying that that's the floor. So in that sense as well, it kind of, it gives me, um, uh, affirmation that you know you have this asset that's kind of going exponential but the capital flow is completely backing that up um, and so when people talk about bitcoin's a bubble um, and all these different things it's not because the capital flows are completely backing that up and when you can see that then it makes you you know even more convicted on that asset but thanks for asking <laughs> I'm glad he did. Uh, yeah, it is interesting. Could be again. You're you're basing it not on just, um, you know, not just on trying to interpret a chart, but rather actually seeing where money is going and, and what's happening with with actual analytics there. So yeah, these it's, are all things is. Bitcoiners intuitively know, right? Like all the plebs know that all these things are happening. Like the dips get bought up, and you know the cycle is far from over, and they all intuitively understand what's going on. But to to kind of see the nuts and bolts of what's actually making that work is is very fascinating. Yeah. Hundred percent. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I know Nick. You've been listening for a while. Um, I know there was a lot of shit discussed in between. Uh, I'm just gonna let. If you have thoughts on anything, uh, whether it be um, the previous topic or or anything that uh, Will just dove into in terms of like analyzing on chain stuff, uh, feel free to chime in. Yeah. Uh, one of the things, like he said at the very beginning. Um, talking about like is this cycle different i think one of the things that uh our boy dylan uh btcization brought up uh, in an article he wrote recently he was talking about how this cycle can be different because when you get up to the top like or throughout the cycle and you know just throughout like bitcoin in general like 
people don't need to sell Bitcoin. They can just take out a loan against it to, you know, fund whatever they want. And then over time, uh, as long as they don't take it out as like the top of the market and we crash back down, um, like they're not going to get liquidated and they can just keep taking loans out against their Bitcoin and, you know, finance their lifestyle, buy a car, buy a house, do whatever they want. Uh, and that's just less and less Bitcoin off the market. You know, no more people just dumping their Bitcoin because they think it's, you know, some Ponzi scheme or like not, a, you know, they think it's fake money or, you know, blah, 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 whatever your reason may be. Um, Bitcoin is just cemented itself as like, you know, a huge financial asset now and people really, really want it. There's extremely high demand for Bitcoin. We're going to see, you know, huge prices. And I don't look at like any on-chain stuff myself. Uh, I know D Dylan sends me a bunch of uh, charts and stuff and they're all super bullish. And <laughs> after Will's talk, I, like Will, I w I'm just curious, like what's your price prediction for the end of this year? Like you can get as stupid bull tart as you want or just like, you know, put me in my place and say <laughs> something not that high. But like, I I'm curious as like to your thoughts. I gotta say, um, <clears throat> at, at least 300K. I think that's kind of at this point the uh, that's kind of conservative. I think. I mean, I don't want to throw out some crazy numbers because then people are going to hold me to it. But uh, 300k is very um, reasonable. If you're right, you're going to be like the whiz kid of Bitcoin. You're going to be on all the talk shows. How did this young kid call it? We got the recording right here. We can play it. No, let's, let's get a gym. Let's that. get a gym prediction. What do you think? Oh. Oh man, I, I'm not good at this stuff. I I want to believe it. Can... <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I want to believe so much of this analysis, the stuff that Will looks at. I watch Willie Wu all the time. You know, I listen to traders. I just like to hear what they say. I don't trade myself. Uh, I I listen to all the smart people talking about all the ancillary effects that are out there that the big businesses that are going to buy in. Um, you know, the bond market going to crap and people looking for yields and the money printing. There's just too many things that make it impossible for this not to go up. And uh, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I lost my train of thought there for a second. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I'm just, I, I, I'm like I said all night, I'm, I'm bullish as hell, you know, like uh, I can't believe the price isn't going up faster to be honest. You know, the, the exchange rate to crappy, fiat dollars because they're just going in the toilet so i don't know and there's so much fiat that and just value in general that can go into bitcoin there's like 80 trillion in cash like around the world like 100 trillion in stocks like 281 trillion in real estate um like 11 trillion in gold there is so like when we when we were talking about how early we are like bitcoin's only one trillion and all those other numbers, like they have like all that money in stocks, like how much was it? It was like a hundred trillion globally in stocks. Like a lot of that's held by people who would rather probably just hold the money and not take on the risk of investing. You know, um, when it comes to gold, um, a lot of people don't want to hold a shiny rock. They would rather just, you know, have it on their phone or, you know, uh, a hardware wallet or, you know, 
I, I think some people will keep their Bitcoin in a bank just because they're not ready for personal uh, responsibility and like holding their own money that way. But like all these other stores of stores of value have flaws in them. And Bitcoin just embraces like all the aspects of good money and more. And it's just like the perfect store of value. So I think over time, like those trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars are just going to flow right into Bitcoin. Yeah, it all gets siphoned away, right? Like it's just who who figures it out the quickest to to make those moves. Um, uh, ben, and you, you know, know I, I think... Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You go. You go. I was just going to say, you know, I suspect a lot of these models are probably going to get invalidated because of the the behavior difference that we're seeing in in the market participants this time around. And then also we have the derivatives market, which has never been around in any previous cycle. And, um, you know, I'm sure everybody's familiar with, uh, you know, Preston Pish has been talking like crazy about the contango. And that's super bullish because it's basically like a second halving event. Yeah, 100%. And it's, I think people don't realize how, or are forgetting how quickly shit can move when it really gets <laughs> frothy, when, when things really get moving. Like the, the move last bull run in 2017, it was, we, it took forever to hit 10K, it felt like, because we kept on getting close and close. Um, but once we decisively broke that, in two weeks, we're at 20K. And so I, I think that, especially with the types of buyers that are coming in, I think this shit can move pretty damn fast. And I, I think that we, when we see, because I, I remember I was working OTC in 2017 when all of this was happening. And I remember the day of the all-time high. I'm sitting in this little office. Um, there are shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder people that all have literally stacks of cash, just like tens of thousands of dollars. There must have been half a million dollars sitting in this office, just held in the hands of like individuals. The bank across the street had to call head office to get more cash because they were drained from all of the people going into the bank, taking out cash and coming across the street to the OTC desk to pick up Bitcoin, but then also a ton of shit coins. And, it was at that point when everybody was like, this is it. It's hyper Bitcoinization. Everything is good. This is going to take over. There's no looking back. And that's when it flopped. And I, I think I think maybe we haven't quite escaped that yet, especially when I look at the shit coinery that's still going on. I think we're still doomed for uh, cycles. But those cycles are a, an absolute gift, right? Because... Once you've seen it once, it's literally just a cheat sheet for life. You know exactly what plays out if you see that top happen and it come down. You know exactly how to handle the following three, four years leading up to that, which is spend as little as possible, spend less than you make, and just stack sats like crazy. If it's not nailed down, sell it. <laughs> like you know, <laughs> you know how to handle it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that we, we could easily see, I, I agree, you're like 300K sounds at this point to many of us conservative. Um, to some people in the outside world, it sounds insane. Um, but I think that's why we see it go way crazier than that. I think it, it goes above that. And then all of a sudden it doubles from that in a very short period of time. And that's when you see everybody going, oh, it's 
hyper Bitcoinization. It's all here. It's all going to happen. Uh, and then it doesn't. Um, and then we have to wait until next time. A big different time here, though, than when you were working on the over the OTC counter. I mean, the amount of new Bitcoin being produced is cut in half. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have corporations like MicroStrat. I think this is uh, kind of a different world than it was then. So I think uh, Will could be right. I, I'm not predicting that high, but I think Will could be could be right. And it could be even so high up that, no one, that everybody's scared to say it because we'll sound like idiots. Yeah, yeah. It, it could be. I lean towards, and I think Jim alluded to this a little bit, maybe unwittingly, but um, everything comes down to actual humans making actual decisions and, and actual humans tend to be um, while well, they'll have more restraints in the confines of, uh, uh, of an actual institution. Um, there's still emotions at play there. And I mean, we've seen it play out with a couple treasuries or well, one in particular, when we saw that double spend FUD and uh, one of these companies just dumped their entire position they bought, they spent millions on on Bitcoin, and they were celebrating that they sold it for a two hundred thousand dollar profit, which was like hilarious. Um, but I think we do see a bit of that. I do think it will be muted comparatively to last time, but who knows? I, I have really no idea. I, this is all speculation, but um, yeah, I don't know if anybody has any final thoughts there. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna start rounding uh, rounding this out, but I'll just do a, a quick final thoughts from everybody. Maybe I'll, I'll just go in order. Gary, Jim, Nick, Will, any final things that you want to put in here? Gary, uh, anything you have? Yeah, I want to go over something real quick that Nick said that I think is real important. Um, Nick, I believe you said something about how a lot of people will get into Bitcoin with banks because they want someone taking care of it for them. And I think that's a really big thing that not p- many people are paying attention to. As a society, uh, most of us are used to someone taking care of our money. You know, we quit hiding it under mattresses long, long ago and started trusting banks. No matter how much they screw us, you know, we still kept putting it in banks, you know. So I think when banks start actually offering to store Bitcoin, which, you know, I don't think banks are going out of business. I think there's a lot of smart guys with a lot of money there, and I think they're going to adapt. And I think they're going to start selling and storing Bitcoin at their facilities and charging bigger fees than you could do themselves. But I think there are so many people that would take advantage of that market that would buy Bitcoin from banks if the banks would hold them and they felt like uh, they were doing a safety deposit box type thing with their, with their Bitcoin. So I, I think that's a big move. I, I think that we're in the bullish time I've ever seen. I agree with you. That time in 2017 when it went from 10,000 to 19 was like two weeks every day. You know, you were up another 10%. But um, I think I think we haven't seen anything yet, though. I mean, there's so many things that can happen that we haven't seen anything yet and anything can happen. But I don't know. I I feel like the big one's coming, Martha. (laughs) I love it. Jim, how about you? Any final thoughts on anything today? Uh, Well, as I've been saying all night, I'm super bullish, uh, very excited. Um, It's frustrating because it takes longer than I wanted to, you know, I want to retire. <laughs> I want to be able to live off my stack. And I'll, I hear people talk all the time. They're never going to sell. I think that's a little silly. You know, you can sell at a rate uh, where you'll never deplete your stack if you start at the right time in life. And you can still leave tons to your family. You know, why not enjoy it? You know, I, I fully expect to 
whoop it up at some point. So I wanted to go up quick <laughs> so I could just start traveling and enjoying my life a little more. But um, yeah, uh, I guess the the only other thing I want to say, I you know, I, my, I go by Surfer Jim because I identify as a surfer since I'm 13. And uh, <clears throat> I'm fortunate enough to be very involved with a project here on Long Island called the Long Island Surf Park. A good friend of mine since high school decided uh, we need a surf park on Long Island. So for the past six years, we've been working on it. And uh, I built a test tank based on the uh, metrics given to us by the pool designer. And we run little mini waves and, and test it out, make sure it's going to work good. And it's been a fun experience. Uh, we have land. We have slight site plan approval. And we are waiting on uh, permits to break ground. So we're hoping by next summer, we're going to have a working wave pool on Long Island. And uh, you can go to the website right now, longislandsurfpark.com. Uh, you can see a lot of cool uh, 3D renderings of what it's going to look like. And it's going to be exciting. We're building what we hope is a world-class wave, uh, at least seven feet tall, uh, really good for even an expert surfer and of course we can make them really small for anybody who wants to come and learn uh and uh, uh my buddy chris who's in charge of this whole thing he's been paying attention to me rant about bitcoin for years and i was happy to finally get through to him when it was around eleven thousand. so he's a super happy guy that he got himself some and so he's a bitcoiner now so he we're gonna have a party of bitcoiners at the surf park when it opens so that's awesome, dude. Doing yeah, Satoshi's work. Yeah. I'm going to have to swing by there. I've only ever gone surfing a couple times, but maybe you can teach me a trick or two. Absolutely. Everyone's invited. <laughs> well, Jim, I'll be headed up there sooner or later. When yeah, you Gary's a open. surfer. He uh, he started out in the Carolina coast surfing a long time ago, man. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Nick, any final thoughts for you before we wrap? Um, nothing really too much. Just thanks for having me on. I love your show. This was a really dope talk. Um, I, I talk to surfer Jim all the time. I don't get to talk to Gary or will too much. So it was really nice talking with them and getting to uh, pick their brain on some things. Um, yeah, I guess one thing I'd say is like, as this bull run goes on, we're going to hit like, you know, huge new all time highs, like we were talking about earlier. And like, people are going to make really life-changing money and i'd say like take a step back you know take a breather take a chill pill and like assess what you really want to do with your money don't make like really poor decisions that you're going to uh, regret later on nick Solid you advice, gotta show dude. the kindergarten come on yeah do it do oh, it yeah. actually i i just listened to a badass one so i'm going to be doing some videos on lightning soon and mm -hmm. i just listened to uh, uh the the lightning uh channel set up and everything who uh, i can't remember his name that you interviewed nate nate yes yeah that was excellent i loved it yeah so me last year me and my buddy optimist we started this podcast called bitcoin kindergarten and we did it because Jeremiah or Jeremy on Twitter, I forgot how to pronounce his name and I feel really stupid because I always say that, but uh, he, he was talking about how he wanted like a radio call in show for Bitcoin where people could just call in and just have their questions answered. And he was saying like, Hey, I think Nick and Optimus would be really good for this. And we were like, well, we can just do it for fun, do one episode and see how it goes. And we started this like Discord channel where people can just come in on Wednesdays and like ask questions. And uh, we got some noobs in there when we first started and we minted some Bitcoiners. Uh, 
Anastasia on Twitter. She's probably like our most like successful person. Now she's like a toxic maximalist. And we've had some other uh, good people come in, ask all their questions. And, you know, now they're maximalists. They buy Bitcoin and their life's better. And uh, right now what we do is like every other week we have like a pro from uh, Coinbeast come on. So the episode you watch with Nate, a pro from Coinbeast is like they ex they have like a certain expertise and you know some field like so we had Denver Bitcoin come on and like just smash mining fud we had um two feet come on and talk about like Bitcoin taxes and you know like how to, how to avoid them and stuff and then we had Nate come on and talk about lightning so after that we just kind of opened the floor and everyone else can talk and just ask their questions and just you know share their thoughts on things um we've got like 20 to 30 people who show up every single week. So it's, it's a pretty lively show. And uh, yeah, if you're interested, just follow at BTC kindergarten on Twitter and then join the discord and yeah, we'll see and you there. What, and what was going to be one show is now what? 80. Yeah. Something like that. It's, it's almost been a there. full year. Yeah. We, we've awesome. been doing, I'm pretty much always there on Wednesdays. That's why Nick and I talk all the time. I just love talking Bitcoin. So, uh, you know, what? it's a Wednesday night. What else am I doing? Hang out with the guys on it. Discord, you know? Everybody go check out Bitcoin Kindergarten. Honestly, if you haven't uh, been in there, if you haven't listened to like the audio um, podcast version, just just go find it wherever you can. Um, it's a great listen. And it's great to be part of the, the chat too. So yeah, check them out. Um, and then finally, we'll toss it to Will. Uh, any final thoughts for the evening, dude? Yeah, so first of all, I just want to say um, it was really nice talking to you, Gary and Jim. Um, you know, this is the interesting perspective that I, I don't always get to hear. Um, and it's awesome to see, you know, you don't need to get everything, but you just need to know enough, right? And so some things stick with certain generations, other things stick with others. And it's awesome to see um, the things that stuck with you guys and, and what really, you know, made you guys rock Bitcoin. So that was, that was really cool for me to kind of hear your guys thought process. And uh, Nick, you know, it was good chatting with you, man. I know we don't keep in touch too much, but uh, it's always good to hear from another fellow Zoomer over here. Um, if we're shilling stuff, um, I just wanted to throw this out there for anybody listening. Um, next week, um, Pomp and I, Anthony Pompliano and I are starting a, uh, Bitcoin research and analytics. Um, you call it a firm or whatever you want to call it, but we're going to start, um, putting out kind of, uh, retail and investment grade Bitcoin analytics, um, starting next week. And we're going to kind of see where it goes, but if you're interested in that, I'm sure, um, myself and, and Pomp will probably be posting something about it within the next week. Um, so check that out. And, um, for anybody listening, you know, uh, like Nick said, over, over the next year, you're going to see a huge appreciation in, in your spending power and just stay focused on the long term, right? Keep that, keep that low uh, time preference. We're all in this for the long term. And we're, we have a rare opportunity to, um, like we had mentioned earlier, we're at the beginning of that S curve and we can build generational wealth here. All you have to do is just hold. I think the, the difficult part is not um, holding through you know, 30% down, downturns. I think the difficult, the difficult part of holding is holding when uh, your stack goes up 10x. That, that, that's when you really get tested as a holder rather than holding through the downturns. And so just understand what, what you really have here. You have a piece of Manhattan real estate in 1600 and hold, hold strong to that. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much. I'll, I'll shut up, but thank you guys so much. And, and this was really fun.
I don't know if I agree with you on that because I've seen 10X and I'm not close to selling. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, can I just uh, say one thing, Will? uh, For anybody like your parents or anybody, their generation, same with you, Nick. um, If they're if they're wondering, you know, this is for kids, this is, you know, I'm too old for this, whatever they might be thinking. My DMs are open. I'm sure Gary would be happy to talk to any of these older guys. You know, we've got the same uh, decades of life on this planet. We can relate to a lot of the same things. We were lied to about all the same things for all those years, you know, so it's really hard to turn that around. Decades of indoctrination, you know, it took me months. I watched Bitcoin go from under a 1,000 to almost 3,000. And I, I was like, no, it's running away from me. It's getting expensive, you know, because I was just so unsure. It took me so long to really think it through. Months of study, 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 because I had nobody to talk to. There was no boomers I could go and DM. So tell anybody that's curious, you know, reach out to us older guys. I'd be more than happy to help anybody try to understand it. So thanks so much, Jim. And uh, I think, I think you bring up a really good point here that um, on, this will be a whole nother conversation, so I'll keep it short. But just the fact that, you know, you guys have always grown up, like you said, in this incentive structure with inflation. And, and you've been taught to think in this way that inflation is, you know, part of our monetary policy and mm-hmm. central bankers are central to our economy. Um, I think for the younger people, especially that we've grown up with uh, technology first and foremost, but also that we were coming up and, and we're saying, oh, there's this traditional system and this new system. Well, obviously this one's better. It's it's not even a thought for us, right? But you guys have had to reverse the train of thought that you've had your whole life and then go into a new. So it's a completely different dynamic there. Um, so, so thanks so much for that, Jim. Yeah, anytime, man. I want to convert everybody, man. I'd like my whole generation to get it. So, I, uh, some people they, never will, but it doesn't yeah. matter what generation you are, though, really. No, I talk, true. I talk to the kids that are 25 and they yeah, don't know man. what Bitcoin is, no, you know, yeah. so it's not it's not maybe it's more apt to be seen on boomers because they're the ones that didn't grow up with technology. So they can't even hardly use their phone except the flashlight. Hey, you know? uh, Gary, <laughs> you know, how about this angle, which one of the things I'm really excited about here we are on a call with these two young guys. Right. For the rest of our lives, we're friends with these guys if we want to be. Like, like, I don't know. I feel like my my uh, circle of friends is going to grow with all these younger people, younger than me, that are going to keep this thing going that I get to hang out with for the rest of my life. Watch them <laughs> prosper. They they watch me prosper. Yeah. You know, like we, tell you, we uplift Jim, each other. It's awesome, right? To what, be no, connected it's, it's these terrible. Guys? It's terrible. Yeah, it's terrible. Jim. Sure, it is. It's terrible. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. <laughs> I can tell you because I've been through this. I've been into tech since '96 when I started my first e-commerce site. You go hang out with your friends your own age. I go to a party with 66-year-olds, 67-year-olds. I got no one I can talk to anything about. <laughs> Nothing. So I can't even talk to them. They might go, oh, what do you think is better, email or, you know, so. And because you're hanging out with young people, you're like thought patterns and what you find interesting way is way different than everybody your age. So every time we leave a party, my wife goes, you had a terrible time, didn't you? I'm going, yeah, and, and 20 years ago, I'd have had a great time with all these same people. So actually, it's terrible. It ruins it ruins your nightlife unless you want to want to go hang out with 25 and 35-year-olds every night, which I don't well, have a problem with. It's just my wife is, doesn't get into hanging out with young kids. No, I don't. I didn't mean it that way. I just meant that this ecosystem. Oh, she, yelled the, that, she yelled that wasn't true. 
So <laughs> <laughs> we're we're at, we're at the older uh, end of the scale, and the good part is that there'll be so many people coming in, young and old, that are younger than us, that will give us tons of new people to relate to and hang out with. I mean, your conf conference is a perfect example. Um, you mix a whole bunch of people together, like-minded people, and brand new relationships, lifelong friendships have developed. And, uh, you know, it may not be the people of our generation, but I feel the same closeness to some of these younger guys than I have to lifelong friends because oh, yeah. we I see agree. eye to eye, you know, it's awesome. I agree. I'm just saying when you have to, when you go to an event, that's all your peer group. Age oh yeah. That's, that's totally different. I hope they don't know Nick and Will for a long time. I, mean, uh, I got they, at least 20 years left. Yeah, yeah, they talk about the uh, you know the, like the last game, the the last basketball game. Where I, I'm clueless. I'm totally clueless. I don't know who plays. I don't know what teams are in first. I, it's not part of my world. I don't care. You know, so I'm standing there like they talk about the golf game. I don't yeah, when somebody going to talk about Bitcoin so I can chime in? No, no, it's not going to happen unless I bring it up. But I get you. We need we need the Zoomers to uh, to host a party, an absolute banger, and then then you need to uh, extend an invite to both Gary and, and Jim here and well, uh, <laughs> i need to get back to college first for that man yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> guys uh i want to say thank you so much for coming on i we had a why are we bullish pump we're at like 57 9 right now so yeah i saw that go nice. go team uh i really enjoyed uh having you guys all on this is always the best part of my week um Everybody that's watching, I have all of their Twitter uh, profiles. If you want to go give them a follow, they'll be in the show notes. And uh, yeah, that's that. Guys, I'm going to cut your audio and video now. Um, but again, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, you're all welcome back at any time. Enjoy so, it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Cheers. Nice meeting you guys. Same Bye, guys. Indeed. Take care. All right. So. Everybody watching, thank you so much for being here. As always, always the best part of my Friday. I love chatting Bitcoin with a bunch of other Bitcoiners. Um, as always, hit like, subscribe, share. All of those things help so much. They help get this in content in front of more people. Thank you all for being in the chat. If you want to help with the show in another way, you can hit up the sponsors I mentioned previously down below. Ledin, Kobo, BitRefill, Bill Foddle, all linked in the show notes. And if you really loved what you saw... If I can pull it up here in a second, you can always hit me up with a Bitcoin Lightning Network tip at my tippin.me page. That is T-I-P-P-I-N.me slash at BTC sessions. With that, I am out. Have yourselves a wonderful weekend wherever you are. And I'll see you guys next time for your daily session. Huddle the Bitcoin.